The code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis. And I'm Heather Artis. Thanks for joining us for Minute 29 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. You're welcome. Thank you. How about we just jump in and get this thing officially started? Splash! (laughs) Jeez. You're like our resident Foley artist here. (laughs) Actually, first I wanted to mention, so I guess we're not going to just jump right into things, but I wanted to mention... you just told me we were. I like to lie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> we did. I did want to mention that next week we will be announcing a listener contest. Something to say thanks for listening and to incentivize your help in growing the show. Tune in next Monday for the details. I'm excited about doing that. Maybe we can finally plan all this and get it together. <laughs> now that we have a timeline and we've announced it... We actually have to get our act together and make sure that it happens. So we'll go ahead and do that. So tune in Monday uh, for that. And I'm sure we'll probably have details posted on the website or social media as well. We'll go ahead and do that. In the previous minute, Norrington congratulates John Brown. You've just assisted in the capture of a dangerous fugitive. To which John replies, just doing my civic duty, sir. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Now I have to act all these out or at least pretend to act them out for Heather's sake. Back to the story here. Norrington finishes his duties in the blacksmith workshop by ordering his men to take Jack away. We find ourselves in Miss Swan's bedroom. The servant working to ensure Elizabeth has a good night's sleep. However, before parting ways, the two engaged in a rather bold conversation in which Elizabeth reveals that Commodore Norrington proposed marriage. A proposal she was not quite ready for and the servant telling Elizabeth that her day must have been difficult and terrifying. Minute 29 begins with Elizabeth responding to the servant, yes, it was terrifying, referring to her being threatened by a pirate. I don't think she said it with that that much excitement, though. Yes, it was terrifying. It was more monotone. You know, you could have jumped in and said this yesterday when you were talking about it and, and breaking down that minute, but we're just recapping here. We're not breaking no, down yet. This is the no, recap. No, this is the new minute. Okay, this is the new minute. We're still, so we can we can do that coming up. This oh, is okay. just a breakdown. I'm actually not like a voice actor here to, to act all these scenes out. We're just trying to give a cap of the minute so people know what we're talking about. Oh, I just wanted the, the right inflection. Jeez, it's brutal here. You know, this is what Grog does to somebody. Just a difficult to work with man. It's actually, it's actually lack of Grog. <laughs> lack of Grog. There you go. Anyways, the maid, Estrella, follows up by saying, But the Commodore proposed. Fancy that. Now that's a smart match. Elizabeth agrees that it is a smart match and should be a dream of any woman. The minute ends as we cut to Will Turner hammering an iron ingot in the blacksmith shop. When all of a sudden he gets an eerie feeling, or maybe hears something which causes him to look out the window, panning down the alley as the fog rolls in. Let's start with the conversation between Estrella and Elizabeth. Yeah, I agree, because we're getting more of this Elizabeth character development and this Elizabeth action, if you will, which is essentially a continuation of where we left off in the previous minute. So Elizabeth says, yes, it was terrifying, but she doesn't, the way she says it doesn't really lead to believe that it really was terrifying for her. 
She's just covering her tracks. That the, you know, that the pirate, the whole pirate thing wasn't terrifying for her. It was just... Well, she can't It was an on. adventure, you know. Well, I think she's also trying to play that role. Like, oh, that's right. Yeah, that was yeah. terrifying. <laughs> Not the proposal, <Yeah>. that. <laughs> exactly. It's almost as Elizabeth is trying to convince herself that Marrington marrying... Marrington. <laughs> <laughs> That's his name now. That's his new nickname. It's not Norrington, it's Marrington. Let's get on with it. Marrying Norrington. I'm not editing that out. That's definitely going in the show. Please. It's too late. Let's go. Marrying Norrington would be the best, would be what she should do. And she's saying, from a logical point of view, right? As it, if Spock was saying this. Yes, it's a smart, it's a smart match. He's a fine man. Any woman should dream of marrying someone like him. You know, it's all, she's trying to convince herself this. That's not where her heart is, but she's yeah. This is where I should go, but it's not where her heart is. Yeah, because when Elizabeth is responding to Estrella, she says, "Oh." And by the way, Estrella is the maid. I don't know if we already mentioned that from the last minute, in case you're just joining us. Estrella is the name of her maid or the servant there. Elizabeth has this faux pas that happened when Estrella is talking with her about her difficult and terrifying day. And Estrella is referring to being held at gunpoint by Jack Sparrow and all this pirate threatening and stuff. Almost drowning. Yeah. And Elizabeth's first thoughts went to, as we were talking about, the proposal by Marianton. And... (laughs) (laughs) You just get confused, people. <laughs> <laughs> Norrington. And her life was being threatened and all that. So then when Elizabeth starts up again, and this it's like, oh, yeah, it was terrifying. She's not really convincing that it was terrifying. No. She's just trying to correct this faux pas. It's like this. It's like Put a your Fre- foot in your mouth. It's like a Freudian slip, yeah. essentially, yeah. is what she had. So she's trying to correct that because who knows where this information goes from the maid to the other maids. And pretty soon then it's got Governor Nor- or the Governor Swan has the information and then Norrington hears about it. All the high society people hear about it and she doesn't want it to get out. Wait, 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 wait. When we were talking about the medallion and the maids seeing the medallion, you told me there was a confidentiality thing there. The maids don't share stuff like that. Well, I don't know. I, I was guessing. Now you're saying they could share it. It's possible. But she she has to try and self-contain it. And plus, she probably wants to uphold a certain degree of decorum with the, yeah. the servants. I mean, they might have seen, because they've seen the medallion. Yeah. So it's possible. It's all just conjecture here. We're just guessing why she's doing that. But at least she's, like you said, is probably more accurate. She's not trying to convince the maid. She's trying she to convince, convince more herself. of herself. Like, hey, this is what yeah. should happen. Oh, man, I should have really thought about that. Because trying to convince herself, yeah. she's trying to admit that, oh, yeah, that was terrifying, too. Because she's really sitting there contemplating the situation she's in. Because she's, her heart is not with Norrington. It, she doesn't have those feelings for him. And so it's it's kind of difficult for her because, you know, she's she's an independent woman and she wants to live a different life than what Norrington would bring her. That's right. And so when Estrella basically alludes to her life being threatened and it was terrifying and then her Elizabeth's response, I actually thought, you know, it's really interesting if we really start to look at it, kind of the symbolism here, because from Elizabeth's point of view, maybe her life was really being threatened. And it's metaphorically threatened or metaphorically right. speaking. The life she wants for herself, freedom from all this pomp and circumstance of the aristocracy, right. all these formalities that we know she hates. 
maybe freedom from the corset corset of death. (laughs) What she really wants is Will Turner and the freedom experienced by pirates. And I'm not saying pirates going around killing people, but just that ability to to do what you want or to your your destiny is in your own hands essentially. Freedom from the stuffiness of That's the right. world she's That's in. That's a good way to put it. Freedom yeah. from the stuffiness of the world she's yeah, in. Yeah, because exactly being it. with Will her her world wouldn't be as stuffy as it is. She wouldn't be kind of strangling with the corset type of thing. No, and if you were to look at it from a cartoon standpoint, Elizabeth is sitting there with this thought bubble with Will Turner in it yeah. and this life that she is dreaming of in Norrington is a musket ball that comes and pops this bubble above her head. Yes. And, you know, so she accepts his offer. She gets, she really kind of moves into this high society thing. It's kind of what's expected. She's in favor with her dad, but then she loses what she really desires. Right. I mean, she does say that he's what any woman should dream of marrying. And she seems to really, like you were saying, be contemplating, at least thinking about her options. It's like weighing it. Yeah, it is a smart match, but man... Like Estrella says, Will Turner's a fine man too. She's definitely in this position of being torn. Right. And I think obviously Estrella is pretty observant to mention Will. Although she does overstep her servant relationship by addressing Elizabeth or even talking to her kind of frankly about this. It's like that of an equal or confidant. Elizabeth does say, you know, that is too bold. So she kind of steps up and says, hey, you know, you've gone too far. We shouldn't be talking about this. But I think it's not necessarily that she's uncomfortable talking to... Estrella about it or any of the servants she just doesn't want to be talking about it herself she's just uncomfortable with the choice that she has herself to make I found she was a bit sensitive to the subject of Will Turner like you say she's uncomfortable with the situation but she acted real sensitive in the way she said to Estrella that's too bold yeah and I think that's code word for we don't talk about this stuff especially since I don't maybe want my dad to find out or I yeah. don't want to admit it to myself. I don't want other people in the circles to find out about it. She's just trying to say, "Hey, you know, let's not talk about it. We know it's the truth. And let's yeah. just stop it." You know, this whole thing is really it's this idea or this adage, the heart wants what the heart wants, and she's just, you know, it's like she was born to the wrong rich family. Exactly. She's just kind of born to the wrong person, you know. It's not her way. She doesn't want to be like that. She wants to be different. Yeah, she's she's ready for a different life. Yeah. This isn't what she wanted. And that's what we've seen all along with oh, yeah. her, even when she was a little girl. Yeah. And notice that Elizabeth grabs a medallion after Estrella leaves and closes the door. Oh, yeah. After talking about Will, it's like, it's like everything with Will. She grabs that medallion and that's him. And that's as close as she can get to him, basically. Exactly. And now that I was thinking about Estrella, Spanish, isn't it Estrella? Like for star? I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to remember back to high school. But I'm assuming she's she doesn't look Spanish, so I'm assuming it's more of a English pronunciation, yeah. maybe like Estrella. But we'll go from there. Anyways, that was quite the tangent that just popped into my mind. It's like Heather and the butterfly. <laughs> I, be, I became a butterfly all of a sudden like Heather in her mind. So what were you saying, actually? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, so she grabs the medallion... And this is the symbol of freedom, this medallion. It's a pirate origin, and it's I think it's also then a symbol of happiness, which is the Will Turner part. So right. you have pirate it's medallion Will. equals freedom. Right. Pirate medallion equals happiness, and that's Will. Right. If we look actually back at the history of this, she puts the medallion on after she has the dream about you know, when Will and her first met. And yeah. she gets the medallion. She goes in and she puts it on. 
as she's thinking about it. When she's coming down the stairs, when Will is delivering the Commodore's new sword, she touches, she puts her hand on the medallion and uh-huh. then also kind of over her heart there. So we see that that is also close to her heart and what she wants. Right. And then here, we touched on all of this stuff at the time. So you can definitely check out our previous episodes is yet another instance of what this medallion actually means to her. So we're seeing this progression of this medallion, and every time that she thinks about the medallion or touches it, her thoughts are on will or has something to do with wanting to to live a different lifestyle or go right. a different direction with her life. Right. I kind of look at it like I said a minute ago when you were thinking about Estrella's name. <laughs> it's This is as close as she feels she can get to will. Oh, that's is a good this point. Medall- See, I knew you missed it when you were thinking. So this is as close as she could, you know, this is Will and this is as close as she feels she could get to him per her dad's rules. Yeah. And her her society's rules, you know. So is she, do you think she's resigned to the fact that she has to marry Norrington, but she's just torn about it? Or is she still trying to find a way that she could actually marry Will or go out, or at least they could get together? I think she's still, deep down, she she feels that she can't marry Will, but she still wants to try to find a way. So maybe that's what she's looking for then. Yeah. Very interesting. Something to contemplate. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's hard to say, you know, if she has, like, maybe that's why she doesn't want to talk about Will or she tells the Estrella that, yeah, that's being too bold. Why are we, con- we shouldn't be talking about, about Will because I really need to be talking about Norrington and accepting the fact yeah. that I am going to have to marry Norrington. Yeah, because oh, that's where man, society sends her. Yeah. Now, wah, wah, wah. That's our downer for the... <laughs> Heather's, I'm just going to call Heather Debbie Downer <laughs> for the show. Well, there's no way her dad would allow her to marry Will. Yeah, I don't know how... I mean, he seems like a nice guy, but he's yeah, really but... kind of pushing for that. And I just don't know if... He's if really she... into his roles in society and yeah. her role in society. And their roles in society do not include Will. Yeah, I don't know what that They're means. They're more or how towards that would work. Norrington. Yeah. And Norrington is, you know, I mean, look at he's a Commodore and he's high ranking and he would be a good person to marry. Yeah, for her future. For her, yeah. yeah. And Will's just a black, also, a black, blacksmith's apprentice at this point in time. Yeah, because that actually speaks to just the whole in general of how things worked. I mean, a, a woman back in the. 18th century wasn't necessarily going out and having a job no her job was to be a homemaker she was looking for that man to provide that that life for her that protection the safety the financial aspect of it you know so it's like from finances to just in general protection you know really all that stuff right and will maybe wasn't necessarily that best match from any of those standpoints at least that she can think of right now or yeah or that even like her dad would think that, yeah. you know, because he's, he, his future is not necessarily set, set in stone or in a particular direction, whereas Norrington is definitely on his way up and right. moving in the world. Elizabeth, per her dad, Elizabeth doesn't know where her, um, what's best for her. Her dad knows what's best for her and what's best for her in his eyes is Norrington. Yeah. So that's what, at least that's how society portrayed things yes. that the father knows best and why marriages and things were kind of set up and arranged right. and things. So speaking of a flame flickering out then. Ours? So- oh, just kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jeez. Man, not I, I wiped a tear you. from my Oh, sorry. I was just teasing. 
<laughs> Where I was really going. Jeez. Didn't we see something happen with the flame when Elizabeth wakes from her dream? Did we see something happen with that? Did it flicker? I'm trying to remember. She was staring at it. It was moving. I can't remember now. I'd have to go back no, and look at my notes I, I and stuff. I think it was just, she was just staring at it. It was, you know, like a normal candle flame kind of doing Is its little it thing. Yeah, but um, it didn't really flicker like it, it didn't was going to go out. out. Like no, here. no. Because we do know that the medallion sent a shock wave. And so I'm just on the verge of, you know, as everybody knows, expanding my theory about the medallion or my precious. My precious. My precious. But it seems when she's in bed thinking about the medallion or something about Will, you know, in the medallion, that something happens like a mist, something mystical takes place. Right. So it's either that or Estrella is more into gossip than actually closing the windows to prevent a breeze from coming <laughs> into her room. Even Something's going on here. She put a bed warmer in her bed. She left the window open. For the breeze to come through. Exactly. Either That's that or it's just either that or the same person who built the roof for the Swan Mansion was the <laughs> one who did the blacksmith roof. <laughs> Maybe that's why she's sitting in her room thinking, you know, Norrington really would be a good match because I could yeah. finally have a good roof over my head. <laughs> so, yeah, we do see that connection again of maybe something just a little bit off happening. Or at least there's a weird feeling going around now yeah. because something. she looks at the the oil lamp and it flickers out. Right. There's something and, eerie going on. That's right. And then this is the point where we cut to Will Turner and... And yeah, there's something eerie here that we'll talk about, but there's also a perfect timing since Elizabeth was just thinking about Will. So we go from her thinking about Will and the medallion, and then we're jumping right to Will and the blacksmith shop. So she's perhaps a little frustrated about her choice that she has to make. And then we see the mother of all frustration, Will Turner hammering away in the blacksmith shop. <laughs> At least it's not practicing. <laughs> That's right. And I thought how I could get into trouble again with another double entendre here. <laughs> but then I was saved by one of the actors of the film. So while listening to Jack Davenport, who plays Commodore Norrington, and he was talking about this scene, I figured, yes. Now I really have someone to pin this on, and it's not all me. Just like yesterday when we were talking about cleavage, and it was all you who was bringing it up. Jack Davenport said that when we cut from Elizabeth to Will in this minute, that Will is symbolically whacking away on his iron right. ingot. <laughs> Are you sure he said that and it wasn't you? It, was it sounds like you. I, actually, I think he said anvil, but it, more, more appropriate is the iron ingot is really what he pulled out of the forge and was hammering that metal. So everybody who's just wondering, the double entendre was not me. It was actually Jack Davenport. Uh -huh. Talking about Will hammering the iron ingot or the piece of metal that's been heated in the forge and pulled out to start to flatten and hammer it out. So thanks to Jack for saying what I wanted to say so eloquently. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we already know Will has a crush on Elizabeth. And he's currently sticking to this playbook that's written by po Polite Society. But apparently late at night in the workshop, he just needed to, to go there and get frustration out, so to speak. <laughs> You know, plus he's bent out of shape that John Brown took all the credit, you know, when he could have been the hero of the day. Yeah. Or at least they both could have. And that's when we see that he gets an eerie feeling or maybe hears something. Maybe it's Elizabeth. He, he senses Elizabeth thinking about him. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> <laughs> now we're really going deep into this stuff. 
But yeah, I don't know what it was. He either hears something or he's just getting a weird feeling. Yeah. And so I wasn't sure what got his attention. and maybe, Or maybe it's just like there's an eerie silence outside. Mm. Something's going on. And it made him wonder. And he starts to look up like, you know, there's something strange happening here. Yeah. So he goes to open the, the shutter or the window and looks outside and all seems to be quiet. There's some fog coming out. I don't out. know why he just didn't look through the slats. Yeah, he could have. <laughs> yeah, that place should be foggy itself. Yeah. All the fog seeping in. <laughs> That's really all I got. It it ended pretty much there. I mean, most of the stuff was centered on Elizabeth and her feelings towards Will in this minute. Yes. And us really getting a kind of a, a deeper connection with her on how we really wanted to do that. And I know we talked yesterday about Jerry Bruckheimer suggesting that they add this scene because it wasn't in the script, this whole Estrella elizabeth interaction uh-huh and i think it if we didn't have this minute say minute 28 and minute 29 that really gets into that i don't know if we would have ever realized that elizabeth took that as a proposal then because she was dying from the heat she was right. having trouble breathing was she was half-heartedly listening and then she tumbles over and there so, was no real proposal yeah, so maybe that's something that happened afterwards, like oh, when she's being taken away and we're seeing the sword fight that Norrington is helping her and he's basically like, yeah, so what do you think? I know <laughs> just, you just casually. A, yeah, it's like, I know you just <laughs> fell off a cliff, you had a chain held around your neck, a pistol to your head, and so uh, what do you think about what Did I was saying? Did you want to marry uh, me? <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's where that was going, so that could part be part of it. Or maybe, you know, what he said was basically a proposal. Well, it was... Uh, Kinda. He, I don't know if he's more of the traditional proposal type or more of a logical proposal type person right because just the way he said it and now we're starting to look back in the previous minute here which i don't know we haven't really set any rules about doing that so i think we're okay yeah he doesn't say like you know get down on one knee and will you marry me he's like i've just been promoted to commodore this is the direction of my life. There's something that's missing as part of my plan and that is to have a woman at my side to enjoy the direction of where I'm going. So it's almost like he's brokering a deal with her. Like, hey, you mm. could be that woman. And and I don't think that he means it necessarily that way. He's just so regimented. Yeah, and it's just his a way. military man. That this is how he thinks. And, and that's coming across. Because he really does have those feelings for her. Or at least we started to talk. Does he really have those? Or is he in love with the idea of her? We don't quite know yet. Well, he sure didn't like it when Jack was... Hanging all over and no, smiling. Definitely not. <laughs> it's interesting to see all this reaction, but it's it's good to know that Elizabeth was actually proposed to or that she took that as a proposal. And we really get the insight of how she felt about it. Not just the obvious, he's proposing to me, I'm going to pretend to faint off this cliff. Yeah. That's her <laughs> that was a pretty big tell. <laughs> But we actually do hear her I'm just going to plumb it to my death because yeah. I can't deal with this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Norrington, my, good thing he's not listening to this conversation because he'd be really like taken back by it. <laughs> but that's all I have for this. Yeah, that's that's about all I have. Okay. So we'll just call it good. So thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow with Minute 30 of the Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then... Let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. If you like the show, then leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. 
You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash pirates of the Caribbean minute, twitter.com slash blackpearlmen, and on soundcloud.com slash pirates of the Caribbean, where we post additional content, have episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags.